Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you ever have an unexpected guest suddenly show up at your house? You know, a friend of yours calls and says, hey, I'm in the area. I'd like to stop by. I haven't seen you in a while. And you're, you're thrilled. You want to see your friend. But now you only have 30 minutes to get your house ready. <laughs> I don't know about you, but in the three household, we're scrambling. All the kids are rallying together to put the toys away, their shoes away, clean up the kitchen because we want to make a nice place, a nice place for us to visit together. We want to honor our guest. We want to welcome our guest. My question for you is, do you get your house ready to welcome God, your spiritual house ready, your soul, to welcome him in prayer, but most especially in the mass? You know, I think sometimes people think, well, you know, I'm going to mass and I can just show up, you know, and, you know, I drive there, I get there, I fulfill the obligation. But did you prepare your heart? Did you get your spiritual house in order? Because in mass, we're getting ready to welcome a most treasured guest, a most honored guest, Jesus. Jesus is coming to speak to us. Really, he's coming to talk to us in the liturgy of the word. Those are inspired words from almighty God. And God is coming to, to, to say a word to us, to encourage us, to challenge us. Are we ready to listen to him? Do we prepare our hearts to welcome him in the liturgy of the Eucharist? Our divine bridegroom is coming to dwell within us in holy communion. Are, are, we, are we preparing to welcome this most honored guest? Do you take that preparation seriously? Do you take sin seriously? That's the messiness in our house, <laughs> the, the sins we have. You know, I think some people think, oh, God loves me. He forgives me. He's merciful. Uh, you know, I'll be okay. And, you know, and that, that's kind of presuming on God's mercy. Yes, God is merciful. And he really is coming to, to offer you his love, his forgiveness, his healing, but he wants us to prepare. That's a crucial part. The king is coming to us. Do we really take our sins seriously? That's one of the most important things we could do to prepare our spiritual house to welcome God is to take sins seriously in our lives, to confess our sins, to tell God we're sorry. That's just true for any relationship. When we hurt a relationship, you can't just you know, hang out with that person and just assume nothing happened. No, you, you need to go and say sorry, and then you can move on in the relationship. And that's what I love about the Mass. The Mass gives us this wonderful opportunity at the beginning in the introductory rites to really prepare spiritually because the King is coming. The King is coming to speak to you. The King is coming to dwell within you in the most intimate way possible. Will you take time to prepare your house for the Lord? That's what we're going to talk about in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri, and it's been so fun thinking about the Mass in these recent weeks. Uh, I think many of you know I have this new uh, program, uh, the 10th anniversary edition out of my video Bible study on the Mass called The Biblical Walk Through the Mass. And that's what it is. It's like a Bible study on the Mass. We go through all the parts, all the rituals, all the words, all the prayers so that we can understand them better and enter into them to share them with our children, to share them with our friends. The Mass is so awesome. And yet so many Catholics just feel like they're going through the motions. They don't know the profound significance of every word, 
all that we say, all that we do in the liturgy. And so if you're looking for a small group study, maybe for the fall, for your men's group, for your women's group, for your Bible study group, go to ascensionpress.com, check it out. There's a free preview there. You can see the videos. We film them in a beautiful cathedral. And so we're moving around from the altar to the pulpit, to the statues, the stained glass windows, the balcony, all different parts of the, the cathedral as we're walking through the parts of the mass. And so again, if you're looking for a Bible study uh, for your men's group, women's group, Bible study group, to really delve deep into this most central part of our faith that we go to every Sunday, and many of us go every day throughout the week, check out the free preview at ascensionpress.com for a biblical walk through the mass. Uh, last week, I mentioned this pilgrimage that I'm doing so excited to be back on pilgrimage. We're going to be going to Rome September 18th to 26th this fall. And I know many of you are maybe longing to travel again, longing to be on pilgrimage again, but you're a little worried about, well, how are things with the virus and all this? And what are the travel restrictions? There's too many restrictions out there. Well, what's great about Italy right now is that the borders are open. You can come as a tourist. You can come as a pilgrim. My daughter's there right now. I'm going to be going there later this month. I'm so excited uh, personally, but they're also requiring the test but no vaccinations. There's a COVID-tested flight, and the flights require that you get testing before, testing when you get there, but there's no vaccination required, and everything's open. I've been talking to my daughter, and she's just able to see all the sites without having to compete with the many tens of thousands of crowds that are normally packing all these places in Rome. There's a way to enter into peacefully a unique experience right now in the holy city of Rome, walking with the dozens and dozens of saints and apostles there in the holy city, if you're interested, go to my website, edwards3.com, to learn more about this pilgrimage this upcoming September 18th to 26th, uh, a pilgrimage to the holy city of Rome. Again, go to edwards3.com, that's edwardsri.com, to learn more. Well, when we come to the Mass and we're preparing to encounter Jesus, in last week's episode, we talked about the two opening prayers, of uh, the sign of the cross, and we talked about the, the Lord be with you prayer. Uh, we talked about the power of the sign of the cross, how the sign of the cross invokes God's holy presence into the sacred space, and it also drives the demons away, demons of discouragement, demons of pride, demons of lust. It, it, that's what the power of the sign of the cross does. The early church fathers saw great, great strength in the sign of the cross, something we do not just at Mass, but throughout our lives, we should make the sign of the cross. And then we talked about the power of the prayer, the Lord be with you, summoning us to get ready, that God's calling us on mission. We looked at that. I want to take a look now at what we say in return. After the priest says, the Lord be with you, we say, and with your spirit. Now, sometimes I think we as Catholics can view this part of the Mass as just like, oh, I don't know, a simple exchange, like a greeting, and then we greet the priest back. You know, the priest says, the Lord be with you, we say, and with your spirit. It's kind of like, good morning, and we say, good morning to you, Father, right back at you. <laughs> That's not what's happening here. When we say, and with your spirit, what we're doing is we're, we're referring to the priest's deepest identity, the spirit that is working most uniquely through the priest, the Holy Spirit. At the priest's ordination, the priest was changed. That man was changed. He's now consecrated to the Lord in this powerful way, and, and he is preparing to, to offer the Mass, the holy sacrifice of Jesus Christ, preparing to, through his words and through his hands, God is going to change the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. And so while the priest says, the Lord be with you, and we saw that was about you know, a summoning to get ready to encounter God in a powerful way, 
what this prayer and with your spirit does is is refers to the Holy Spirit working through the priest so that he can carry out the work that he needs to do in the mass that only he can do. I'm going to share with you a quote from one of my favorite liturgical theologians of our age, Father Jeremy Driscoll. He says this, he says, the people are addressing the spirit of the priest. That is the deepest interior part of his being where he has been ordained precisely to lead the people in this sacred action. They're saying, in effect, be the priest for us now, aware that there is only one priest, Christ himself, and that this one who represents him now must be finely tuned to perform his sacred duties well. So when the priest says to us, the Lord be with you, he's reminding us that, that God needs to be with us as we're readying, readying our hearts, preparing our hearts to, to hear God's word and receive him in the Eucharist. And then when we come back and say, and with your spirit, we're, we're saying, and may God be with your spirit. May God be with your spirit that was ordained to do these sacred functions, to perform these sacred mysteries, to offer up the sacrifice of the mass. So be the priest for us now. Prepare your heart, your spirit, O priest, so that you may perform your sacred duties with great reverence and great love. Now, the next part of the mass, and this is what we're going to focus on today, is the I confess prayer known as the confidior. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters. So what we're doing here is we're standing up before God and before our brothers and sisters in the parish right there. So this is a prayer that we're making to God, but we're also doing it publicly. We're acknowledging that as we're about to confess our sins, that sins, sin has a public effect. It's not just between me and Jesus. You know, when I sin, every time I sin, it affects other people. You know, even if it's just a sin like I in, in my thought, like I don't say anything to anyone else, but I'm having these really negative thoughts toward other people that that hurts other people. Let's say I have discouraging thoughts. I'm just really discouraged and I'm weighed down. Those discouraging thoughts make it harder for me to give the best of myself to my work or to my wife or to what my children need for me right now because I'm just kind of sad and melancholic and I'm a little lethargic. I'm not able to put my energy as well into what I'm doing. So sin always affects other people. My children suffer if I get discouraged. My wife suffers if I have negative thoughts about her. Even if I don't say them to her, uh, she suffers from those negative thoughts. It causes, uh, causes a little division between us. She suffers when I don't say my prayers. Like let's say I, I cut corners in my prayer life. That's not just between me and God. It impacts other people. I'm not able to be the the husband and the father I need to be if I, I'm not faithful to my daily prayer life. It's not just about hurting my relationship with God. It hurts the people around me. That's why I, I love this in the mass that this this prayer, this this convitio prayer, it, it's it's highlighting for us the the public nature of sin. No sin is completely private. Every time we sin, it affects the body of Christ. It affects other people. And that's why we confess to Almighty God and I'm confessing to you, my brothers and sisters, I've let you down through my sins and my weaknesses. And then the next part of the prayer is, is I love this part. This, this reminds me of, it's like an examination of conscience. In fact, if you ever need a good examination of conscience at the end of night, before you go to, uh, at the end of the day, before you go to bed and, you're, and you do your, your night prayers and you're thinking about your day, you're examining your conscience, this is a beautiful thing to think about here. The four areas of sin. Do you know the four areas of sin? the four ways that you fall short in your friendship with God and with others. 
Every Catholic should know this, and it's right there in the liturgy, the four main areas of sin. And at every Mass, in this Convitio prayer, we're challenged to, to think about those four areas where we may, may fall into sin. We say, in my thoughts, in my words, in what I've done, and in what I've failed to do. So think about that. So in my thoughts, how might I sin? I can sin in my thoughts. I could have jealous thoughts. I'm jealous of someone. I keep comparing myself to someone else. I want what they have. I want the recognition they have, the popularity they have, the possessions and wealth they have, the status they have. I'm jealous, jealous thoughts. I I can have envious thoughts. Those are even worse. Jealousy is I I want what they have. Envy is like, I just don't want them to have it. (laughs) That's even worse. Like I, I, so I, I may say things so that they, I harm their reputation. I may try to do things that so that they lose what they have, their status or their good opinion of their boss or whatever. So envy is is even worse. Envy is like what happened with Cain and Abel. Cain wasn't just jealous that Abel's sacrifice was accepted in Genesis chapter four. Uh, he was envious, and, and so he killed his brother Abel because Abel's sacrifice was accepted by the Lord, but not Cain's. And so he wasn't just jealous because if he wanted his sacrifice. Is his sacrifice accepted by the Lord? He could have just offered a better sacrifice, but he didn't want to change. He just didn't want this other guy, his brother, to have what he couldn't have. That's envy. That's worse. Do you ever have envious thoughts? Do you have angry thoughts? Lustful thoughts? I talked about discouraging thoughts. These are all the kinds of things that we have to bring to the Lord in confession that we should tell the Lord we're sorry about every day. Uh, We can sin without ever directly saying anything against someone or directly hurting them. But in our thoughts, in our thoughts, we hurt other people. And we certainly damage our relationship with God when we fall into these sins. Uh, the second area of sin, in, our, in, in my words, do I speak truth? Am I honest in my words? Do I tend to exaggerate the truth, to draw attention to myself? Do I tend to boast Am I vain in my words where I'm, I'm bragging about myself or I'm trying to draw attention to myself? Uh, I want others to have a good opinion of me. So I'm always talking about myself and saying the right things so that they think better of me. Uh, do I tend to have critical thought, critical words, negative humor? Do I fall into gossip? Do I, do I tend to sow division? Do I say things to sow division in friendships and families and in working relationships? Do I use foul language? So there are many ways that we can fall into sin in our words. The third area of sin is what I've done. These are the direct actions where we harm others. We harm our, our relationship with God or with other people. So these could be stealing from other people. This could be falling into lustful actions in section sexuality. Uh, this is could be killing others, uh, maybe not killing them physically, but maybe hurting them physically or hurting them with our uh, certain actions that, that uh, go against their dignity. Uh, there's many things that we do that we fall into sin and we hurt other people. But the hardest one is the fourth area of sin. This is the one that gets me every time. You know, it's, it's not just what I've done, but what I failed to do, the good that I failed to do. I think this is like the rich young man. You know, the rich young man went to Jesus and said, you know, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you obey the commandments. And the rich young man says, I'm already doing that. In other words, he's not breaking the first three areas of sin so much in his thoughts, his words, and certainly not what he's done. He's obeying the commandments. 
But then when Jesus says, or the young man says, what else do I need to do? And that Jesus says, well, give up everything and follow me. He wasn't willing to do that. He, he clung on to his possessions. He was too attached to his wealth. And so he didn't want to follow Jesus. His was a failure to love. And I think about this. I think this is really important for us as Catholics to really think about here. It's not just my thoughts, my words, and what I've done. I want us to think about the good that we failed to do. Think about your marriage. Are there times where you know, maybe you didn't directly hurt your wife today, but there was some good things you could have helped her a little more. You could have shown greater appreciation for her. You could have honored her, thanked her. There's things you could have done more. It's good to think about those. Those are failures of, of love. And we want to love like Jesus loves. We want our hearts transformed. We want to be saints. We don't want to just avoid doing bad things. I'm a great Catholic. I avoid doing bad things. No, <laughs> I have a great marriage. I avoid hurting, you know, my wife and cheating on her and, and, and beating her. <laughs> you know, no, that, that doesn't make a great marriage. I want to love my wife. I want to honor her. I want to cherish her more. Uh, so it's also not just what I've done, but also the good that I failed to do, my, my lack of love. We want to think about those things. So when it comes to this beautiful prayer, the, uh, the conf- I confitior, the I confess prayer. Again, think of it as the, an examination of conscience. It's, it's helping us hone in on these four areas of sin. And then what do we do? We express our sorrow. We do a couple things. First of all, we say, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. And we're, and we're beating our breast. We're striking our breast at that time. Well, why are we doing that? Why am I striking my breast? What's going on here? <laughs> am I, do I have heartburn or something? You know, I got something lodged in my, my esophagus. I need to get out. Why am I striking my breast here at this moment? It's biblical. Everything in the mass is biblical. According to Luke chapter 23, verse 48, do you remember? Remember what the, the people did as they were leaving Calvary? They left striking their breast after Jesus died and, and they felt sorrowful over what had happened. Striking the breast in the biblical tradition was a way of expressing sorrow, grief, repentance. And that's what we're doing. And it's fitting that we have this biblical tradition still in our liturgy today, 2,000 years later. We strike our breast. We are sorrowful over our sins, what we, our, our thoughts, our words, what we've done, what we failed to do. We're sorrowful for these things. So we biblically strike our breast at this moment. And then we say these words, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Why do we say that three times? <laughs> you know, it, it seems quite repetitive. You know, We have a number of times where we say things three times in the liturgy. I think this is, it's kind of like any human relationship. You know, if you do something and you hurt a relationship, sometimes you need to do more than just like give a quick apology. You know, maybe if I just like, if I stepped on my wife's toe, I might just say, oh, I'm sorry. You know, oh, excuse me, sorry. You know, just a quick sorry. But if I've, if I've done something that has wounded her, it's hurt her deeply. I, you know, I said something with a tone of voice and it hurt her feelings badly. I, I don't think I'm just going to go, oh, sorry. <laughs> Oh, made a mistake there. <laughs> sorry about that. No, I don't think it's just a quick sorry. <laughs> I think I'm going to go to her and say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said it that way. Please forgive me. I, I didn't mean that. I feel so badly. I'm sorry. It's like I say sorry many different times in many different ways. And I think that's what we're doing in the or here, that this prayer is not just giving an apology to God. We're pouring out our hearts. It's a humble, heartfelt contrition. We're telling God, I am sorry, and I've sinned through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. I'm humbly going before God. His relationship matters to me, and I know I've, I've, I've hurt our friendship. 
And so I'm pouring out heartfelt sorrow over my sins, just like I would with my wife or one of my children or a close friend if I hurt them. I wouldn't just say, oh, apologize. Oh, sorry about that. You know, if it was a deeper, a deeper injury to the relationship, you say it multiple times, and that's what we fittingly do in the liturgy. If you want to learn more about the parts of the Mass and you want to get into this, maybe in a small group or for your family, check out my video Bible study called The Biblical Walk to the Mass. You can stream it at ascensionpress.com. They have the DVDs there as well. You can get a free preview for free. You can check out the beautiful cinematography filmed in a beautiful cathedral. Uh, check it out. It's called The Biblical Walk to the Mass, and you can get it at ascensionpress.com. Any questions you have, reach out to me at edwardsri.com, edwardsri.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. God bless.